It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains descriptions of violence against women and children, sexual assault, and murder. It was Saturday. June 22nd, 2019, and it was dark out, 4.30 in the morning. The 26-year-old woman was driving home to Delphi, Indiana. She was only about 20 minutes or so away and was probably thinking how nice it would be to get to her house and settle into bed. But then her trouble started. She got a flat tire. Instinctively, she pulled into the nearest driveway, if only so she could have a moment to figure out what she should do. The man who owned the property she stopped at noticed her. He came out and started walking towards her vehicle. She did not know that his name was Paul Etter, that he had a long criminal record, and that detectives were investigating him as a possible suspect in the murders of Liberty German and Abigail Williams at Delphi. 
Nor did she know that Edder would later post on Facebook that when he saw her that night, the devil came unto me. But as she watched him come toward her, something about him made her feel unsafe. So when he got to her car and asked her if she needed help, she lied to him. She said she was okay. And then, even though her tire was flat, she pulled out of his driveway and got back onto the road. But she couldn't go far. She remembered she had a friend who lived nearby, and she gave him a call. He said he wasn't home at the moment, but he would be soon. He would meet her at his place, and they could figure out how to get her car fixed. She pulled into his driveway, and, as she did so, another vehicle came in right behind her. She must have breathed a sigh of relief. She hadn't had to wait long for her friend after all. She got out of her car and started heading for the vehicle behind her. It was only then that she realized the man in that car was not her friend at all. It was Paul Edder. But by then, it was too late. My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And this is The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast. Anya and I connected over the Burger Chef murders, a 1978 unsolved case involving the killings of four young restaurant employees. Now we're looking to track restaurant homicides. To help us understand the patterns of these crimes, we created a spreadsheet of nearly a thousand eatery-related killings, the Murder Sheet. We'll be drawing on that data throughout season one to give you a deep dive into undercovered crimes. We don't just rely on skimming the headlines. We dive into these cases to bring you in-depth coverage. We're the murder sheet, and this is the Delphi Murders, Paul Etter and Thomas Bruce. Let's take a moment to jump back a couple of years. On February 13, 2017, Liberty German and Abigail Williams walked across the Monon High Bridge in Delphi, Indiana. Libby even posted an image of Abby making her way along it. A few minutes later, they ran into someone, a man. Libby recorded at least a portion of that encounter, but only a few moments of it have been released. The man calls them guys and tells them to go down the hill. We don't know exactly what happened next, but police believe that the person you just heard on that snippet of audio killed Libby and Abby. Authorities released grainy images of the man taken from Libby's video. 
There is a lot in this case that those authorities have not shared with the public. For instance, we don't know the cause of death for the girls. We don't have conclusive answers on whether there's usable DNA from the killer at this point, but we do know the names of a few men who law enforcement has investigated as possible suspects in this case. And we're going to talk about a couple of them today. The first is Paul Etter. Police got his name from a tip, but the general public did not hear of him until after that night when the woman had the misfortune to pull into his driveway. When she realized he had followed her to her friend's house, she tried to get away, but he was too fast for her. He rushed out of his car, seized her, yanked her arms behind her, and slapped handcuffs on her. And then he threw her into the back seat of his vehicle and drove off into the darkness. After a few minutes, he pulled over and, with her arms still handcuffed behind her, he began to pull off her clothes and then he sexually assaulted her. She wore an eye watch that allowed her to make phone calls. At one point during all of this, she tried to use it for that purpose. But Edder caught her. He yanked the watch off her wrist and stomped on it. After that, he blindfolded her and led her into what seemed to be some sort of a barn. There, he shackled her ankles to a desk. Hours passed. Finally, around 9.30 a.m., Edder got dressed, released the woman's shackles, removed the handcuffs, and drove her back to her car. After he was gone, the woman, of course, contacted the police. Law enforcement noted that she had multiple injuries, bruising, and or red marks on her wrists, ankles, back, and left arm. They also stressed in a court filing that they found her to be reliable and credible, and that they had been able to corroborate the story she had told about what Edder had done to her. So they went out to arrest him. The problem was that he had gone on the run, and they couldn't find him. They initiated then what the Journal and Courier called a massive manhunt, involving helicopters, drones, police dogs, and officers from nearly half a dozen agencies. The search was difficult. Police suspected he was hiding in the heavy, leafy woods near Wildcat Creek. The thickness of the undergrowth potentially made it hard for even the police agency's infrared cameras to spot the fugitive. The hunt dragged on for nearly a week. Finally, around 1.25 p.m. on Thursday, June 27th, a police officer from nearby Lebanon, Indiana, spotted Edder driving a stolen pickup truck. Officers swiftly succeeded in stopping the vehicle, but Edder brandished a handgun as police approached the truck. Edder pointed the weapon at his own head. Ignoring the orders of the officers, he maneuvered his vehicle into a nearby field. Police surrounded the truck and waited. Edder, they later told the media, never threatened them. He actually was very cordial to us most of the time, Lieutenant Ben Phelps of the Lebanon Police Department told the press. But he also clearly did not have an interest in submitting to an arrest. Edder had something else in mind. Through the conversation, said Phelps, his demeanor, 
he had his mind made up as to how it was going to end. A little after 6 p.m., the police sent a SWAT team toward Edder's truck. They fired shots at the tires, disabling it, and then sent tear gas into the vehicle itself. Edder responded by shooting himself in the head. Edder went down, Boone County Sheriff Michael Nielsen said at a press conference. But the shot did not kill him. He came back up, said Nielsen. That didn't work, and he shot himself again later. The second shot, about five minutes after the first, did the trick, killing Edder. Officials were disappointed the standoff ended with Edder's death, but not too disappointed. Things could have been quite a bit worse. As Tippecanoe City Sheriff Bob Goldsmith told the Indianapolis Star, It's unfortunate it came to an end this way, but everyone is safe and we're all going home. In the following days, police revealed that Edder's name had come up in the investigation of the Delphi murders. But they were vague about how exactly his name had come up and stressed that plenty of other names had come up too. So what does that leave us with? Edder lived not terribly far from Delphi and was clearly capable of violence against women. When he kidnapped his victim in this case, he had a pair of handcuffs in his vehicle, ready to be used. That is interesting. There are also unconfirmed reports that Edder sent Facebook messages to people asking about the Delphi case. But Kevin and I have done that too. Maybe you have as well. That seems to be just about all there is to connect him to the case. On the other side of the equation, he did not murder the victim in his case. If he killed Libby and Abby to silence them as witnesses, then why did he not only let this victim live, but actually drove her back to her car? It also seems significant that Libby and Abby were children, while the victim in this case is a grown woman. If Edder was attracted to children in that case, why would he select a mature woman in this one? We know from studying true crime that some predators aren't super picky about the age of their victims, but it seems worth noting the difference here. In any case, at least based on what's been publicly released, we find it unlikely that Edder's the one who took the lives of Abby and Libby. But another named suspect might be a better fit. Some believe that this man might even be a serial killer. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one -on -one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. 
It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20 percent of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20 percent of your weight in one year in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. EMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's roe.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This man first came to public attention on the afternoon of November 19th, 2018. He stopped by the Catholic Supply Store in a busy strip mall in St. Louis County, Missouri. After browsing for a few minutes and likely noticing that the store was empty except for three women, he excused himself. He said he had left his credit card in his car. He would be right back. When he returned, he had a gun. He herded the women to the back of the store where he ordered them to undress and perform sexual acts on him. One of the women refused. 53-year-old Jamie Schmidt, a mother of three, was likely at the store to purchase supplies to crochet rosaries for her parish. After she did not submit to the gunman's demands, he shot her, causing her wounds that would kill her within a few hours. And then, according to court documents, he calmly ordered the other two women to continue performing deviant sexual acts on him as Jamie Smith lay bleeding and dying on the floor near them. Eventually, he simply left the store and drove off. I want to interject here just to say that, as a Catholic, this case makes me so angry and sad. I don't know if I can think of anything more innocent than a mom crocheting rosaries for her church. And this disgusting monster decided that her life and the well-being of the two employees was less important than his need to get off sexually. Often in cases where the perpetrator of a violent crime has not been caught, the police take great pains to calm the public, to assure them that there is no threat to the community at large. But that did not happen here. Sergeant Sean McGuire of the St. Louis County Police laid it all on the line. We have a loose armed gunman out there who's already shot one person, he said. The police had no solid leads on who the gunman was or why he had done this. 
their biggest resource turned out to be the two surviving victims. They paid attention to a lot of the intricate details of him, McGuire told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We praise their courage on what they went through, nonstop playing at what happened in their heads, having to talk with family and close friends about what had happened, and still having the courage to talk to detectives to assist in a really important investigation. Because of their help, investigators were able to construct a detailed description of the gunman, which they shared with the public. A woman soon let police know she might be able to help. She worked at a Hot Shots bar and grill near the Catholic supply store and, not long before the attack, she met someone there who matched the description. He had even given her his business card, but she had thrown it away. The police started frantically digging through the trash, which luckily had not yet been collected, and soon located the card. It belonged to a man named Thomas Bruce. Investigators headed out in force to Bruce's address. When they barreled into the home before dawn, they immediately took Bruce's wife outside. A friend of hers told station KMOV, that the startled woman initially feared she was being kidnapped. Never in her wildest dreams, said the friend, would she have ever even thought anything like that about him. Not ever. He was so protective of her and so kind. But she soon came to accept her husband's guilt, cooperating fully with the police and expressing her condolences to the families of Bruce's victims. Bruce, meanwhile, was swiftly arrested. He was a Navy veteran who seemed to have lived a mostly quiet life after he left the service. The man had no criminal record. For a while, he'd even worked as a pastor at a small area church. Neighbors said he didn't associate much with them and kept mostly to himself. But he did reveal more of his personality on social media. There, he wrote about his support of Donald Trump, gun rights, and once even complained that, quote, as an American male, I've often been accused of being obsessed with sex. All we can say to that last one is, wow. Because this quiet man had a secret life. Shortly after his arrest, a 77-year-old woman came forward with a horrible story. In September 2018, just two months before the crimes at the Catholic supply store, a man driving a red car stopped at her house. He told her he wanted to talk with her about a veteran service organization. She told him she wasn't interested and asked him to go. Instead, he bulldozed his way into her home, pushing her to the floor. He groped her, saying he wanted her to perform a sexual act and then he started dragging his victim into the nearest bedroom. He hadn't quite gotten her there when the woman's phone rang. She told her assailant that it was her husband and that he would be returning to the house at any moment. In a burst of bravado, the intruder said he would just kill her husband when he showed up. He forced her into the bedroom by herself, grabbed her phone, and then he got out of there. The woman immediately went to the police, and they investigated. 
but they hadn't been able to develop any good suspects. That changed after Bruce's arrest in the Catholic supply case. When the 77-year-old woman saw his mugshot broadcast on television, she recognized him. He was the one who had attacked her. Other evidence backed her up. The description she gave of her assailant's car fit Bruce's vehicle. Cell phone and vehicle tracking records also definitively placed Bruce in the area of the woman's home at the time of the attack. Officials then filed criminal charges against Bruce for the attack. Police and others began to wonder if Bruce could have been involved in still other sexual attacks, or even worse. In fact, some have argued that Bruce might be a serial killer and have suggested he may be linked to other murders. One of the possible deaths most often linked to Bruce is the 1985 abduction, rape, and murder of Suzanne Collins. In that case, 19-year-old Lance Corporal Suzanne Collins was brutally raped with a tree branch and then murdered near the Millington Naval Air Station, which is not far from Memphis, Tennessee. It is an awful case, and also a complex one. Rather than getting into the weeds on it, we will instead only briefly summarize it. There is very strong circumstantial evidence that Suzanne was killed by a man named Sedley Alley. For instance, two Marines who had witnessed the abduction of Suzanne identified Alley's vehicle as the car used in the crime. They made this identification within hours of the kidnapping, even before Suzanne's body was discovered. Alley almost immediately confessed to the crime. He was brought to trial and his attorneys argued that Alley committed the crime because he was insane. This murder is an act of a maniac, said Robert Jones, one of Alley's attorneys. Witnesses for the defense suggested that Alley suffered from multiple personality disorder and that one of his other personalities, perhaps one named Death, took over his body at the time of his attack on Suzanne. The jury didn't buy it. They convicted Ali and sentenced him to death. This was in 1987. In 2004, about a month before Ali was scheduled to be executed, his lawyers for the very first time formally raised the idea that Ali was, in fact, actually innocent, that someone else had committed the crime. They suggested the confession he gave was false, that he only provided it because the police had pressured him to do so. This delayed Ali's execution for a bit, but he ended up being put to death in 2006. Since then, his attorneys and his daughter maintain that he could be innocent and have argued for police to conduct DNA testing on some of the remaining evidence in Suzanne's death. What does all this have to do with Thomas Bruce? Well, as we mentioned, Suzanne was killed near Millington Naval Station. Bruce can be definitively placed there about a month before the murder. From this slender thread, lawyers from the Innocence Project, working with Allie's daughter, perhaps cynically publicly put forward the idea that Bruce may have been the real murderer of Suzanne Collins. They use this claim to try to buttress their argument that the remaining evidence in the case should be tested. 
The courts have consistently rejected those arguments. The Tennessee Court of Criminal Appeals most recently turned down the family's petition in May of 2021. We'll have much more to say about the Innocence Project in a future episode. For now, suffice to say we strongly believe the jury at Ali's trial got this one right. He is the one who ended Suzanne Collins's life. Thomas Bruce had nothing to do with that murder. The Innocence Project has also pointed a finger at a boyfriend of Suzanne's. By doing so, they themselves smear the name of an innocent man. The only person responsible for the death of Suzanne Collins was Sedley Alley. And this brings us, at last, to the Delphi case. Almost immediately after the horrors that happened at Catholic Supply, people noticed that the description of that assailant seemed to match the description of the man who killed Abby and Libby. There were also at least some superficial similarities between the crimes themselves. Both involved multiple victims. Both took place on a Monday afternoon before a holiday. Both are arguably crimes of opportunity. Bruce may have attacked the women at the Catholic supply store only after discovering they were in the place alone. And the Delphi killer may have murdered Libby and Abby simply because he happened to encounter the two girls on an isolated bridge in the woods. All of that is interesting, and it is certainly not impossible that Bruce could indeed be the killer of Abby and Libby. But both Anya and I believe that that is highly unlikely. The single biggest issue might be that Bruce was based in Missouri, and Delphi is hundreds of miles away in Indiana. No one has ever produced evidence that Bruce was in Indiana at any time around the murders. That is obviously a huge problem in any potential case against him. It is also worth noting that Bruce's known victims were adults and not children. When you get down to it, the case for Thomas Bruce being the Delphi killer is fairly weak. Before we leave the subject of Thomas Bruce, we should note that judicial proceedings in his case have been delayed because of COVID-related concerns. And so as of this date, he has not been formally convicted for what he did at the Catholic Supply Store. In fact, as recently as September 2021, Bruce's attorneys were arguing that certain pieces of evidence against him should be thrown out before any trial is held. The odds are, though, Bruce will ultimately be held guilty of the assaults at the Catholic Supply Store. And we hope, too, that someday someone will also be found guilty of the Delphi murders. When and if that happens, we imagine the responsible party will be found to be someone other than Paul Etter or Thomas Bruce. For this episode, we relied on court records in the Paul Etter case and coverage of that crime and the ensuing standoff that appeared in the Journal and Courier of Lafayette, Indiana. WTHR, WLFI, and the Indianapolis Star. For Thomas Bruce and his crimes, both real and alleged, we consulted stories from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, KSDK, KMOV, Fox 4, The Tennessean, 
and the Memphis Commercial Appeal. The Supreme Court of Tennessee's opinion in State v. Alley was also interesting, containing a great deal of useful information about Alley's culpability in the death of Suzanne Collins. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. As always, thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenlee, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at MSheet Podcast, or by searching Murder Sheet. If you enjoy listening to The Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure. And send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.